Donald Trump testified in the New York Attorney General civil fraud trial today, and it quickly went off the rails. Donald Trump took it right off the rails. As I teach my law students, there is a reason why people invoke their Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination. And Exhibit A, folks, Donald Trump's testimony today where he incriminated himself over and over again. Donald Trump became unhinged almost immediately, began attacking the judge and the New York Attorney General and the prosecutors. New York Attorney General Letitia James at one point just started laughing at Donald Trump when he pointed at her and she was like, you don't know anything about my property. She doesn't know anything about my properties. And she just started laughing at him. Donald Trump was almost kicked out of the trial and a negative inference was almost entered against him. Ultimately, the judge and the prosecutors just let him squirm and squeal on himself, though we're going to break it all down here on the Midas Touch podcast. Special Counsel Jack Smith filed opposition after opposition after opposition today to the various frivolous motions filed by Donald Trump. For example, Jack Smith filed an opposition to the motion to dismiss Trump filed on so-called statutory and constitutional grounds. Jack Smith filed an opposition to Donald Trump's motion to dismiss for, quote, vindictive prosecution. And special counsel Jack Smith also filed an opposition to Donald Trump's motion to strike inflammatory allegations in the indictment. The special counsel Jack Smith goes, how are they inflammatory? Donald Trump is out there releasing music with the January 6th insurrectionists, and he's having people at his speeches, instead of the Pledge of Allegiance, pledge to the January 6th choir insurrection song. So no, Your Honor, we don't think that these are inflammatory allegations at all. And we're going to introduce as evidence Donald Trump's songs with the January 6th choir, which is something I've been saying about here at the Midas Touch. Oh, yeah. For months, I've been talking about that January 6th choir stuff needing more attention. Special counsel Jack Smith is all over it. And when it comes to obsequiousness to foreign authoritarians, Donald Trump is all over it as well. Let's talk about Donald Trump's speech in Florida this weekend where he praised Viktor Orban, the leader of Hungary, where there is currently 20% inflation and where the entire GDP of Hungary is less than the annual revenue of Cigna Apple and other large American corporations. That's what Trump wants America to look like. Hungry, folks. I don't think so. And also Donald Trump at the speech in Florida admitted to obstruction of justice. He also gave this really weird rant where he goes, everything's a lie. Every single thing. It's all a lie. Everything is a lie. More projection and confession. And then in other news, folks, this is really important. November 7th on Tuesday. If you're listening to this on Tuesday, if you're listening to this live on Monday, whenever you're listening to this, just know there are elections across the country on November 7th. Make sure you vote. It's an off, off year for a lot of states. And so the voter turnout is often low. Don't fall into the complacency trap. 
do something. And I'm especially looking at you, Ohio, you, Virginia, you, New Jersey, but across the country, there are pivotal votes. So please get out and vote and make sure others are doing the same. And also some good news about the economy under President Biden's economy with 4.9% GDP growth. More job numbers announced for October this time, 150,000 new jobs created in October. This is the Midas Touch Podcast. I'm Ben Micellis, joined by Brett and Jordian. Here's the thing, folks. We just need to keep on working hard. There are a lot of forces out there, and this is just the way fascism works, mm-hmm. that wants to make you feel defeated, make you think that the march of fascism is an inevitability. That is how, in countries where fascism takes root, It's often kind of the exact same percentage of people who support Trump, 25 to 33% that are radicalized, but make the silent majority feel powerless. You have power, and I want you all to remember that and know that, and the work is here. The work is the work that we in this community that you all created are putting in day in and day out. So when I hear poll number this or poll number that, all that makes me do is say, let's work harder. And I'll mention something about that New York Times poll just from the outset. It has a plus eight generic Democrat beating Donald Trump. And what that tells me and what that shows is that there is a huge anti-Trump majority out there. And that pro-democracy is where Americans are. That makes me feel very comforted and comfortable. And it is important, though, that we cut through and slice through these BS media narratives that try to drag down President Biden, who is overseeing record, record low unemployment, who's overseeing 4.9% GDP growth, who's overseeing a manufacturing boom. And so I just want to throw that out there just from the outset to confront that. And if you want to know how I feel, I feel confident. I feel calm. And I am ready to go. But I know I got to roll up my sleeves. A lot of work needs to be done, folks. Brett, Jordy, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Yeah. You know, I think it's something that is worth bringing up. We have to mention it, but it's not worth dwelling on. And we also have to realize how long there actually is till the election as well and how wrong a lot of these polls have been. I was just trying to put it into perspective for the 2020 election. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, at this time in 2019, before the 2020 election, Midas Touch was not even a thing. So much had not even happened that completely changed the entire trajectory of the election. I mean, COVID hadn't happened for months after that. Midas Touch didn't officially start until the end of March, and we really didn't get underway until April, May, June. And so it really just shows you how most people are tuning in at that last moment, and we need to be pushing and building, uh, pushing the truth out there throughout this period right now. And we just have to acknowledge that this is how polls are. I mean, if you look at Obama's poll numbers from the same time period, guess what? Everyone was like, what are we going to do? Do we got to get rid of Obama? Do do we we need to (laughs) Mitt Romney's about to crush him? And obviously, 
none of that turned out to be true. So I think everybody just needs to calm down. Totally. And speaking of the opposite of calming down, watching Donald Trump today in that trial was one of the most single bizarre experiences ever. I mean, we all expected him to act like a petulant child, and but just following it with the court reporters who were in the room, it was a very unique experience, I will say. Because at first, for the first, like, I don't know, 10 minutes or so, I was like, okay, not a lot of action so far. Like maybe, <laughs> may, maybe he's a little buttoned up for that. I don't know. And then something switched. New tone. New tone. <laughs> new, to, new tone. New tone. Yeah. No, that, I just got bad flashbacks to the uh, yeah, Trump and yeah. with the new tone stuff. Um, but then there was like a switch in him, and he just couldn't control himself. And he not only continue to get tripped up on basic facts and heard his case for this trial. But I think he basically implicated himself criminally at a lot of points. And I have a lot of questions for Ben about this. There were a lot of moments where my jaw was literally on the floor. And Jordy, before I toss it over to you, I need to show the courtroom sketch of Donald Trump because when I saw this today, I couldn't stop laughing for far too long. And for our audio listeners, you're going to have to check out the video. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> but this is the actual. Uh, this is the actual courtroom sketch of Trump, and I don't know why he looks like a gremlin. Or I, I, I don't know, but it just shows you, though. It it really. I think emphasizes the way that he looked like a petulant child sitting on the stand with his arms across his body and just like yelling at the attorney general, yelling at the judge. This is a piece of artwork. Like I would never want a picture of this man anywhere near my home, <laughs> but I am consider I'm considering ordering a large print. The sketch artist definitely understood the assignment. And when you look at that, Brett, I mean, he really does. If you could pull it back up, he looks like a baby in a high seat. Like, he looks like parents on both sides. It looks like he's, like, crying and whining in the seat, like, pooping his pants. That's him. That's the guy. That's that's their leader. That's who he is. Oh, my goodness. We'll get more into this, but but I want to go back. I want to go back to the poll. Brett's losing it right now for the audio listeners. I want to go back to the, the poll numbers that we were talking about. Look, it's hilarious to me looking at polls uh, more than a year out from the election, but then even going a step further, Brett, you mentioned the 2020 election. I understand yes. the parallels there, but you know, look less than a year ago in 2022 at the midterms, you know, all the, all the red wave bias from these media outlets in order to, you know, stoke fear and anger and get their clicks. Like it almost feels like just, Hey, let's run the same playbook. It worked for us as these media entities in the past. Let's use the same thing and get people really worried. So I just say, look, should you be worried? I'm confident like Ben, but use those numbers as motivation. Definitely don't get complacent. It's time for us to sprint through the finish line here. And I'm excited to get Brett showing the picture again of Trump looking like a baby. Uh, I'm excited to get into today's episode, brothers. Let's, let's, let's jump into it. So first and foremost, I want to give a special hat tip to the incredible reporters who are in the courtroom. Lisa Rubin, Hugo Lowell, Adam Klasfeld, Erica Orden. And if I don't mention others, I apologize because you all do great work. You're on the front lines and you're posting in real time about what is going on every single day. And I always try to give you all shout outs in the videos that I do. 
but I want to make a point of it to say thank you for the hard work that you are doing and everybody should go and follow them, support the journalism that they are doing. And I think that's really important to say at the outset. Um, there were just some moments that went from the totally bizarre where Donald Trump would just say like the most crazy stuff. Like he would say, do you know that they call my lease a lollipop? Have you heard the term lollipop? It's called lollipop. And it would be like, what? There was other moments where he would be handed a financial statement from 2021. And he would say, I was so busy with Russia, 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 and China, and all of these things. And then the New York Attorney General lawyer, Kevin Wallace, who did a great job on this cross-examination, said, you weren't the president then, look at the document. <laughs> and just just that kind of quickly just cut him up. You weren't the president then, just look at the document right now and take a look at it. And you know there were moments like that. You know, And then there were moments where Donald Trump was confronted with Things like the deed he signed relating to Mar-a-Lago and the valuation of Mar-a-Lago where it says things in the deed like you intend to forever use this property for commercial purposes only. And Donald Trump would be asked, so what does that mean to you? And Donald Trump says, well, my intent can change. My intent, if I wanted tomorrow, I could use it for a residential. Well, you use that intent to pay less property taxes, did you not? And he would say, yes, I did. And he acted as though intent is some malleable concept that could be uh, a way to get him off the hook for committing fraud and using that statement when going to lenders or going to taxing authorities or going to insurance and companies by basically saying, gotcha. I said intend, but in the future, I'm going to change my mind about it. And clearly, that's not the way uh, these uh, disclosures are supposed to work. But some real, just kind of cutting through it. I mean, one of the things that Andrew Weissman pointed out that is just kind of crystal clear is when the attorney general got Donald Trump to agree that the financial statements and Trump's personal guarantee were done for the purpose to induce banks to lend money. That sounds like an obvious thing in the case, but that's a key element. Donald Trump had tried to uh, obscure his intent and that proposition, but one of the tactics, and I think it was just very well done by the New York Attorney General's office, is just kind of letting Donald Trump trip up himself and confuse himself and then make himself kind of build up and make himself feel like all powerful. So then when the question was asked, Donald Trump just basically says, yes, I was the one who was doing that because Donald Trump worked his worked himself up into basically admitting to it. And by the way, that's going to crush him if he's trying to appeal this whole idea that he didn't have the intent. Like, Not that that piece was missing because it could obviously be inferred by the fact that Donald Trump signed the documents, right? But he didn't say that in his deposition. So, I mean, admitting that- yeah. Ben, I don't think Donald Trump took the stand today realizing that he was going to be the star witness against himself. And that's what ended up happening while this trial was underway. And the fact that, you know, Judge Angoran made numerous warnings 
to Donald Trump throughout the proceedings today, consistently told Chris Keist, Donald Trump's attorney, and Alina Haba, Donald Trump's attorney, like, can you please control your client? And warned him, if you don't control your client, I will consider kicking him out, basically. And then Donald Trump proceeded to misbehave and he ended up not kicking Donald Trump out, long story short. So you think that was a strategic maneuver by the judge there? Look, I think that he recognized that if he kicked Donald Trump out and gave an adverse or negative inference, that Donald Trump would basically say, would play the victim. Yeah, you've given him what he wants if you do that. You give him exactly what you want. And I think the New York Attorney General lawyer, Kevin Wallace, realized that he could have kept Donald Trump on the stand for days and days and days. But his thought was, let me just get the elements. And once I hit the elements of fraud, once I hit the elements here of disgorgement that's necessary, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna move on and, and get it out. And at one point the judge was even looking, Ingoran was looking at Kevin Wallace, the New York Attorney General lawyer, and saying, I'm I'm leaving it to you, basically. So if the New York Attorney General lawyer would have said, look, can you know, you know, enforce your prior admonition and get rid of him, or we want a negative inference. I think Judge Ngoron would have granted it, but I mm-hmm. just think that the New York Attorney General lawyer was fine with Donald Trump kind of rambling. Like, let me just let me just give you kind of a quick. <laughs> let me give you the quick kind of recap. Let, let me can give I, you the. Quick, I, can, okay. No, no, Jordan. What no, were you saying? Sorry, I just wanted to add this point. Do you know what like today's reminded me of? And as you go through the recap, I think we'll get there too. Have you guys ever seen the movie? Of course, you've seen it. Was the play, the adaptation, A Few Good Men. Colonel Jessup, how he gets so, you know, frazzled on the stand when he's going back and forth with Tom Cruise's character and he goes, you can't handle the truth. It just freaks out because the guy's just grilling him and, and, and it ultimately because the Colonel Jessup in the movie, he couldn't get away of his own ego. And so that's ultimately what this reminded me of today as we go into the Trump meltdown. Yeah. So let's just talk about, okay, so it's the morning. Donald Trump hasn't showed up for court yet. It's around 10 a.m. Eastern time. New York Attorney General Letitia James shows up and she gives a small press conference. And I think she realizes, though, that it is important that she says something because there's just such a barrage of lies that are happening outside of the courtroom. So she's got to explain what's going down. So before Donald Trump shows up, before the proceedings this morning, here's New York Attorney General Letitia James talking about how ultimately this case is about numbers and just the numbers don't lie. Play the clip. Misrepresented and inflated the value of his assets. And before he takes the stand, I am certain that he will engage in name calling and taunts and race baiting and call this a witch hunt. But at the end of the day, the only thing that matters are the facts and the numbers. And numbers, my friends, don't lie. Thank you. That's what we talk about here on the Midas Touch Network over and over again. The facts and numbers are not political. And as I always say, regardless of Democrat, Republican, conservative, liberal, progressive, where I'm at with the analysis that I like to give is just give me the data. Give me the evidence. Don't try to play me. Don't try to spin me. Just tell me the facts. And let me just give you this fact. 
if Donald, the most basic one, are you ready? Why didn't Donald Trump's lawyers do redirect examination of Donald Trump? Why would they just allow, if they thought Donald Trump was innocent, if they had facts on their side, just make it so basic before even getting into the facts, right? Why after the grilling cross-examination, which just told the side of, sto- the, side of the story of the New York Attorney General, if you believe there was another side to the story, which there isn't, why wouldn't you say this? This is what any lawyer would tell you they would do. So, Mr. Trump, you were asked on cross-examination about this. Can you please state the way the statement of financial conditions were? You kind of leave it open-ended, and then you direct the witness to kind of an area. You're not engaging in any type of cross-exam of your own witness or leading questions, but can you please explain how it was done? And then your client would say, look, here's why these numbers were accurate. Here's why this number, here's why we did it this way. And here's why I stand behind these numbers. Think about that, right? That's what you would do. Instead, what did Donald Trump do? He bl- he just blamed other parties for why the statement of financial conditions were not correct. Well, I paid the accounting firm lots of money. Well, ultimately, you were responsible for the data you provided to the accounting firm, Mazers. That's what they stated in your retention agreement with them. And that's what, you know, your worthless clause that you always talk about. And also, that's a thing too, right? If you didn't commit fraud, why would you be talking about the worthless clause? It makes everything worthless. You would be saying, look, we are... We care about the facts. We care about the truth. And we need to make sure that all of our data is accurate because we have high standards here, right? That's what you would say. You wouldn't go, I have a worthless clause that makes everything worthless and it lasts forever. And then one of the things when Donald Trump said that, that the New York Attorney General lawyer, Kevin Wallace, said is, I know some other things that last forever as well. And then the audience laughed because Donald Trump keeps on talking about those things in Donald Trump's Trump stories. Trump got laughed at numerous times. Numerous times. He, numerous times. That's why the Attorney General, by the people <laughs> in the crowd. So, so, so Donald Trump starts, and it's just like, it's, the whole thing is weird, right? So he starts right there, and then he like starts like talking very low to begin with. And Judge Agoron's like, what do you do? Can you speak up? <laughs> I can't the first, hear you. Uh, first time he's ever had to say that to Donald Trump. He's like, can you please speak up? And then Donald Trump started speaking a little louder and then got really unhinged quickly. And just some of the most basic questions Donald Trump answers in the most bizarre way. So is your son, Don Jr., also a co-trustee, right? You would think that would just be yes or no. And then Donald Trump goes, no, Don Jr., He's he's a good young boy. He's a good he's a good he's a good little boy. He's a good little boy. Oh my god. I mean, look, I, I I haven't gotten into like the meat of it. I but like that's how it starts. He's a good little boy. That's what you're saying about Don. He's 45 Jr. years old and he was an executive of the company. It reminds me of Alina Habba's statement yes. uh, a few days we'll ago. Get, we'll, get, Habba, we'll, we'll get to we'll get, there, we'll get to the yeah. Alina Habba statements. <laughs> then they go through the statement of financial conditions and Donald Trump's responses again. Think about it. If the statement of financial conditions are on your side, right? What do you say? You say, these are accurate statements. These are, let me go through them with you. Let me explain the diligence that we did, the due diligence. That's a statement that corporations, due diligence. No, Donald Trump goes, 
banks don't care about statement of financial conditions. Everybody knows that banks could care less about it. Like what? What? What do you mean? They don't care when you sign under penalty of perjury that your statement <laughs> of financial conditions are true and accurate. And then Donald Trump says that he relied on Jeff McConney, his former controller, and Alan Weisselberg, his former CFO, to get the account that he didn't do it. He relied on them to get the accounting firm that Donald Trump was also trying to throw under the bus the information. So the question naturally is, did you give them instructions about the information to provide to the accounting? Like, what information were you giving? He goes, I did not give any specific information to them to give to them. So you just like let random people at your company just make decisions for you and and didn't have any oversight. I mean, that's not credible at all. Then Donald Trump really kind of realized, okay, I'm screwed here. So let me try to blow this up. So he started whining that the judge, he said, you are the, re you valued my property at 18 million. Everybody knows it's 50 to 150 times that, which is like 1.5 billion or $2 billion, right? And that's where the New York Attorney General lawyer said, okay, about Mar-a-Lago. Didn't you sign this deed that says you intend to forever use Mar-a-Lago as a commercial property and therefore you devalued the property so you paid less property taxes? And then Donald Trump says, my intent can change. I could change my intent at any time. Well, you can't retroactively change the intent that you told people when you provided those financial representations. Ben, 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 what if he did it with his mind? Right. And and, and then Donald Trump was asked <laughs> about the, the, the triplex, which he said was 30,000 square feet, which is actually 10,000 square feet. Donald Trump's response, it could be 30 with elevator shafts and things. So he's including in the square footage, <laughs> oh elevator shafts and things. And then as Donald Trump, he started mimicking the New York attorney general, like his own view of, I guess, how it looks to Donald Trump with the questioning. So then Donald Trump starts doing an imitation of the New York attorney general lawyer and Trump goes, Trump had no money. Trump has phony statements. <laughs> Trump, defa Trump defrauded banks. And then the judge, Angoran goes, stricken, stricken, stricken. What are you doing? <laughs> Answer the question. And then Alina Haba stands up and she goes, Judge, when he's speaking, you must listen to him, Judge. And then Judge Agora goes, sit down, Alina Haba. I don't, <laughs> what are you I don't, I don't have to listen to him, which they then used as like, the judge doesn't want to listen to him anymore. Look, the judge says he doesn't want to listen. No, the judge wants him to answer the questions that are being asked. And then Christopher Keis, Trump's other lawyer, said, I thought that was brilliant. I thought that was a brilliant answer to the question, like just clownishness. And the fact that Chris Keis, once the solicitor general of Florida, is now basically no different than Alina Haba just shows you that MAGA stands for make attorneys get attorneys. So here is Alina Haba first. She says, why am I being paid as an attorney if the judge doesn't want to even hear from us? It's a, it's a good question. Why are being paid from Trump's political action committee? Play this clip. I'm not here to hear what he has to say. Then why exactly am I being paid as an attorney and why exactly are taxpayer dollars being used in this courtroom? The answer is very clear. Because Ms. James wants to stand right here like she did this morning and call my client a liar. Why it's all am projection? I, why every single time? Sorry. And, and why? And by the way, she's now putting on her laptop. And I did some videos with with this photograph. 
a billboard for her law firm on the laptop that is in the courthouse. So when they do that video at the beginning, you can see like an advertisement plug for, her. For, for her law firm. And here is Alina Habba talking about when Judge Ngoran yelled at her. Play this clip. You have a right to hire a lawyer who can stand up and say something when they see something wrong. But I was told to sit down today. I was yelled at and I've had a judge who is unhinged slamming a table. Let me be very clear. I don't tolerate that in my life. I'm not going to tolerate it here. And you know what? You shouldn't either. What well, are you even tolerated? She tolerated it in the courtroom because she sat down after Judge Angoran told her to sit down. And it's like she's it's like she's never even litigated a case before in her entire life because that's a normal thing to do for a judge to direct an attorney to do something or a judge to tell your client to do something. And I saw her also complaining about, and then the judge had the nerve to tell us to tell our client to be quiet. How could I suppress his First Amendment rights? That would be awful of me to suppress. It's that's the judge. Job of you as an attorney is to tell them when to speak, perhaps what to say, and when not to speak. It literally comes with the job if you're actually trying to be an attorney, which you're not. You're doing everything that you are projecting, Alina Habba. You just want to be out there in front of the courthouse giving your little weird press conferences. You just want the attention. You just want to put the bumper sticker on your laptop to advertise your firm. You just want to please Donald Trump while you take away donation money that is sent to his PACs and put it in your bank account. That is you. That is all you. And no matter how much you try to bloviate or lie while you're out there, the facts don't lie in the courtroom and on paper. Ben, how much worse is it going to get for the Alina Habas? Like, what, what should we be expecting in the coming months? Like, just more of this unhinged behavior? Look, I think that past is sometimes prelude to you see the path like when michael cohen years ago were warning the lawyers don't do this look what happened to look what i did and lawyers didn't take that warning and then there was the next tranche after that right tranche two like the B team of like Jenna Ellis and Ken Chesbrough and Sidney oh, yeah. Powell. That was a We're classic the, tranche right there. Classic, classic, tranche. A classic, classic tranche. tranche. Such a classic, a classic tranche. tranche. And then look what happens to them. You know, it's like when you work at a company. This is what I told. I was speaking to a. Uh, I was speaking to a, a law student who was asking me for career advice. And I was just saying, you know, what you do want to look at, though, is like, you know, the people that you work for, is that something that you want to follow, basically? Is that a path that you look at, right? So if you look at the path and everybody who's previously held your position has been imprisoned or in jail <laughs> or indicted or pled guilty, pled guilty, pled guilty. I think that's a sign that maybe that's not the right gig like to to have. But you know, it's in you can tell with Alina Haba, she somewhat disassociates from the gravity of and, and the and the injury she's inflicting. You know, she and many of these MAGA lawyers are almost kind of role-playing a lawyer. And it, it's it's kind of games 
to them, right? I, I, I remember a, a great lawyer early in my career said to me, Ben, you really have to recognize the power of your pen as a lawyer, meaning when you sign pleadings, when you put your name behind things, it's not a game. It has real world implications. And I think that these Trump lawyers, they go about them thinking this is all a game and a quest for power and attention without reflecting on the harm they're causing to the public, to the profession. And it's 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 really it's really something that is kind of shocking, Jordy, that that even exists. And then so um, you know, throughout the time, Donald Trump, throughout the the end of in the afternoon session, Donald Trump would keep yelling at New York Attorney General Letitia James sitting in the crowd and say, you're a disgrace. And the judge like, all right, you're a broken record at this point. Can you just finish asking the questions? And kind of just treated him like a kind of, you know, like a petulant third grade kind of fascist who's just like, all right, petulant child. Okay, you're you know, you realize you're a broken record at this point. And then where it ended was not Donald Trump's legal team saying, Mr. Trump, you were asked this on cross-exam. Can you please inform the court that that's what you'd expect to happen in every other case if someone because you have to dispute the evidence, right? When we talk about the summary judgment order that Judge Ngoron granted, right? It was not based on the New York Attorney General's side of the story, it was based on the presentation of undisputed evidence. That's what a summary judgment motion is. When you say the undisputed evidence, and there's no reasonable trier of fact that could disagree, here's what all of the evidence is, and now you see why. Because the New York Attorney General showed the fraud, right? And then the burden could shift. And then Trump's lawyers, by the way, they... They have the opportunity to recall Donald Trump at a later date, but uh, you think they're going to recall Donald Trump at a later date? I, I don't think so. But they had the opportunity there, right? If you're telling the truth, go through it, explain it, show why it's accurate. And they did not do that. So because November 7th is election day, uh, there's no court on Tuesday. Court resumes Wednesday. Ivanka will be the last witness to be called by the New York Attorney Generals. And then they're going to rest. They've got enough evidence, they say, and they're ready to go. So that's actually sooner than expected. They talked about today expecting that the end of trial will be around December 15th. But I'll tell you, my expectation Mm -hmm. wouldn't be – this is another prediction that I'm making here. I would not be surprised if Donald Trump's team barely puts on any witnesses at all. Um, And I I think they're going to rest quicker than anybody expects them to rest. And they're not going to spend weeks putting on witnesses. You think they're going to spend weeks putting on witnesses? I I highly doubt that. But we- I I defer to you. I'm curious, just knowing how he likes to drag his feet during these legal processes and wants to get as close- to the election as possible to say it's uh, you're hurting my election chances, election interference. But I'm not, I'm not guessing against Ben. I'm not betting against Ben. Well, perhaps uh, he should have listened to Ben uh, and not shown up, even though that would have been an adverse inference uh, against him. I'm sure. Well, uh, you know, because- if, if, if you notice, <laughs> if you notice my prediction, I somewhat started to hedge over time, and I said over the weekend on Legal AF that I don't expect that he can actually make it through his testimony and just kind of sit there and be fine with it. You got a moral, moral, moral victory. Moral victory. The reality <laughs> is, is that the judge threatened to kick him out. The judge could have kicked him out. And 
I was kind of, I'm like, kick him out, kick him out. So I could be right. Kick him out, kick him out. And, <laughs> and, 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 and then I also was like, no, but he, he's further incriminating himself. Let him keep talking. Let him keep talking. So I'm glad he kept on talking, but that's basically the summary of everything that went down. Sure. There may be some, some other details that I left out there, but again, I really do want to give a special thanks to all of those great court reporters who nailed it and, um, they're great. and, and they're, they're doing great work. So when we get back though, I, I, I want to talk about special counsel Jack Smith's filings. And one of the things that why we always need to be, people always ask, okay, well, why, okay, guys, you keep covering these Trump events. You keep covering these Trump events. And, and look, do I really just like enjoy sitting through these Trump like <laughs> events and like, watching them? Um, no, I, I, I have to admit, I don't love them. I don't love doing that for hours at a time. But what is so important is that there isn't everything he's saying is out in the open. And there's so much data that that's actually obfuscating the threats. And so when we're covering this, we do see that it is breaking through to, to legacy media coverage. It's breaking through and how people are talking about these things. And I want to talk about like Jack Smith mentioning the January 6th choir what that means, Donald Trump's speech in Florida. And let's talk about the importance of November 7th, why everybody needs to get out there and vote. And let's talk about some good economic news as well. Let's talk about that and more after this, <laughs> after this quick break. Lomi is the only appliance that prevents food waste from stinking up your kitchen and polluting the planet. Now that I've invested in a Lomi, it's changed the way I deal with my food waste. Lomi is the biggest innovation in the modern-day kitchen since the dishwasher. Lomi has helped me turn my home into a climate solution. Now I can transform my organic waste into nutrient-rich Lomi earth that I can feed to my plants, lawn, or garden instead of sending it to the landfill. I can help the environment and make my life easier. In just four hours, Lomi transforms almost anything you eat into nutrient-rich plant food at the push of a button. It's smart, simple food recycling that fits my space perfectly. Cut the chore of doing the trash in half and eliminate bugs and odors in your kitchen. And here's the bonus. You get to feed your lawn and garden with an all-natural fertilizer that you just created out of your food scraps. All my food scraps, plant clippings, and even those leftovers I forgot in the back of the fridge can go back into my garden, helping me grow more nutritious food at home. I learned that food waste makes up a huge portion of our personal carbon footprint also. By reducing the amount of food I send to landfill, I'm helping to do my part for the planet. Whether you want to start making a positive environmental impact or just grow a beautiful garden, Lomi is perfect for you. Head to Lomi.com slash Midas and use the promo code Midas to get $50 off your Lomi. That's $50 off when you head to Lomi.com slash Midas and use the promo code Midas at checkout. Thank you, Lomi, for sponsoring this episode. Being on top of your mental health game is so important. And as you know, we here at the Midas Touch Network are working around the clock. And it's easy to fall into bad habits or routines because, well, life gets in the way, especially with your diet. 
Frankly, I think most people can relate. Everyday life does get in the way, making it challenging to find a healthy snack without all the sugar and junk. Now, if you're busy and constantly on the go like me, you need to try Mosh. It's a protein bar made for your brain. With six delicious flavors, each Mosh bar includes 12 grams of protein and is made with ingredients that support brain health like ashwagandha, lion's mane, collagen, and omega-3s. At 160 calories and only one gram of sugar, Mosh protein bars are the guilt-free snack your brain and body will crave. Your brain is your number one tool, which is why Mosh protein bars were mindfully formulated by some of the top neuroscientists and functional nutritionists. Mosh now has a new line of plant-powered protein bars in three delicious flavors. For those who want all of the protein and brain support of the original bar, now made with plant-based ingredients. I have a Mosh bar literally every day to kick off my morning, and it has totally improved my performance. I love the taste, especially of the peanut butter Mosh bar, delicious. Not to mention the packaging, it makes it super easy to take them with me if I ever find myself hungry between meetings. Don't settle for a mediocre snack when you can nourish your body and mind with the fuel it needs to succeed. So whether you're at the gym, on the go, or living your best life, Mosh Protein Bars will keep your brain fit-fueled and feeling good. Head to moshlife.com Midas to save 20% off plus free shipping on your first six-count trial pack. That's 20% off plus free shipping on your first six-count trial pack, which includes all six mouth-watering flavors. M-O-S-H-L-I-F-E dot com slash Midas. Welcome back. We're live on the Midas Touch podcast, full house on the live in YouTube. We were rocking 25,000 concurrent live viewers there. So thank you all for making this one of the most watched uh, YouTube lives in the world across all categories. We were talking about New York Attorney General Letitia James civil fraud trial, Donald Trump's horrific, uh, incriminating testimony. I just want to show you right now, and I'm, I just think that New York Attorney General Letitia James has been methodical, steadfast. And here's the thing where we talk about the wheels of justice turning slower than we'd all like, but you go back to Midas Touch in 2021 during the special action that was brought by New York Attorney General Letitia James before the lawsuit was even filed in September or October of 2022, where for a year plus, the New York Attorney General's office just put their heads down followed all of the evidence. Donald Trump tried to hide it. Remember, Donald Trump was held in contempt of court by Judge Ingoron for not turning over discovery. Every one of these pieces of evidence was a hard-fought battle by the New York Attorney General's office day in, day out, so that when they're there and Donald Trump is on the witness stand, it is the presentation that you just saw. And Donald Trump, and this goes back to one of the messages, fascism tries to wear you out. And Donald Trump will try to wear you out in all of the cases with all of these filings, all of these appeals. And you know, in the past, people didn't have the resources to go toe-to-toe with him. So people would just sometimes tap out or get intimidated by him, but not this team of prosecutors. I want to show you right now New York Attorney General Letitia James after uh, today's testimony from Donald Trump. She says it perfectly here about his rambling and insults, but ultimately the facts will prevail. And then I've got some Tish James Midas news 
to uh, to talk about after play this clip. He rambled. He hurled insults. Um, but we expected that. At the end of the day, um, the documentary evidence, evidence demonstrated that, in fact, he falsely inflated his assets to basically enrich himself and his family. He continued to in- persistently engage in fraud. Um, the numbers don't lie. And Mr. Trump obviously can engage in all of these distractions. And that what is what exactly what he did, what he committed on the stand today, engaging, engaging in distractions and engaging in name calling. Um, but I will not be bullied. I will not be harassed. This case will go on. We look forward to hearing the testimony of Ivanka Trump on Wednesday. And then we plan on closing our case. Um, and then there'll be some motions on Thursday. Um, and then uh, the defense will present their case in chief. Um, justice will prevail. And it's important that all of you understand um, that we have already been victorious in our motion for summary judgment. Um, and now we look forward to disgorgement and to the remaining counts in our action against Donald Trump and his repeated and consistent fraud against the citizens of the great state of New York. And that deserves your very own emoji. (laughs) (laughs) New York Attorney General Letitia James will be getting an emoji here. It's like the Hollywood Walk of Fame. You get a star, you get an emoji here. What what an honor. Do do we get uh, an acceptance speech? <laughs> I'm gonna. I, I have to provide some real good news after that because if you were hoping that it was something more than an emoji, I have to, <laughs> I feel a lot bad. of people are very let down. <laughs> but well, I, I have good news for you. But if we hit 300 memberships right here, we will release the New York Attorney General Letitia James emoji. As I mentioned, we don't have outside investors here at the Midas Touch Network. So one of the ways we build this network, as I said before, perhaps not the greatest business model. I think other uh, media companies would probably look for investors or things that we we do this emojis, patreon.com slash Midas. One emoji at a time. When we hit 300 memberships, then we will un- unlock 300 YouTube memberships, which is different than Patreon. We will unlock the Tish James emoji. But like that saying, brick by brick, we go emoji by emoji. Well, here's the thing. In terms of prosecutors on the Midas Touch Network, we've got Karen Friedman Agnifilo, the former top prosecutor at the Manhattan District Attorney's Office, number two. She served as the acting district attorney for uh, certain periods of time. So we've got the top prosecutor, former prosecutor in Karen Friedman Agnifilo. Here's uh, some great piece of programming news. Karen Freeman Agnifilo and Danya Perry, former top federal prosecutor, are going to be doing a lot more videos and special edition legal AFs of Karen Freeman Agnifilo and Danya Perry. So two of the top former prosecutors, one state prosecutor, one federal prosecutor, giving legal news here on the Midas Touch Network, giving you the most comprehensive legal breakdowns there is. I am thrilled about that. You know, I want to give a shout out to uh, Swing Left West Valley, one of the Swing Left groups. I spoke in front of uh, the Swing Left West Valley group yesterday. And as part of the speech I was giving, I talked about how Donald Trump at his speeches, he does this thing where instead of the national anthem, they pledge allegiance to the 
January 6th choir song. And there were so many people who kind of looked at me like, whoa, like, is that, is that true? Like, is that, is that the reality? And I was like, yeah, I mean, you know, it's one of the things I talk about a lot here because when we go through Donald Trump's speech, you know, he praises Kim Jong-un, he praises Putin. He talks about Viktor Orban and says how great Hungary is and how powerful Orban is. It should be noted, Hungary's inflation rate is 20% and its entire GDP is less than the annual revenue of Apple. That's what Donald Trump wants the United States of America to look like. Um, Donald Trump then attacks prosecutors. He does this weird thing in his speech where he just like makes these noises to like demean people and he does like, he does this thing. And then he goes into the Jan and it starts off with the January 6th choir. And I'm like, you have to look at what he's saying. And what we have to recognize is that, you know, November 7th, 20 and then in 2024, you know, on Tuesday, and then what's going on in 2024, this is bigger. And this is what I talk about in the speech. I say this is bigger than just are you a liberal and are you a progressive and are you a Democrat or are you a conservative or are you a Republican? And I don't know. This is pro-democracy versus MAGA fascism meets idiocracy. And it's really captured in the part of the speech where Donald Trump does this January 6th insurrection anthem. One of the things I talk about in the speech to the swing left West Valley group is like you remember in the first debate where Donald Trump said from, from 2020, stand back, stand by. Remember that line was like when he said, stand back, stand by. He's now singing songs with the people he said, stand back, stand by. And he's releasing the songs on Apple Music and bragging that it gets better ratings than Taylor Swift, which it doesn't. I'm not going to play the song here. I, I wouldn't want to play it anyway, but I couldn't because he's copyrighted the J6th anthem and he enforces the J6th anthem copyright, which yep. he owns and makes and, and makes money off of. But I want to talk about it too in this context because special counsel Jack Smith wrote about that in the opposition to Donald Trump's motion to strike, quote, inflammatory allegations in the indictment. And so Donald Trump says that special counsel Jack Smith's indictment is filled with all of these inflammatory accusations about January 6th. And Jack Smith's response is, one of the pieces of evidence we're going to introduce about Donald Trump's intent is that he praises January 6th as a great day for America still in the speeches. And he sings songs with the insurrectionists. So, Brett, before getting into some of the legal analysis, though, I want to play for everybody the portion of Trump's speech, not where the anthem is actually the January 6th. Quiet slice that off. Played, but right after it, where Trump talks about what, what went down, because we can play that portion. So if you can, play that portion. And they asked me whether or not I would partake and do the beautiful words. And I said, yes, I would. And you saw the spirit. The, uh, the spirit was incredible. And when that came out, it went to the number one song. It was beating everybody. It beat uh, Taylor Swift. It beat Molly Cyrus, who was number one and two. They were number one and two. We knocked them off for a long time. Molly Cyrus. And he does that in every speech. That's not, he's not winging that. That's actually on his teleprompter of something he discusses. Yeah. And we've been highlighting it here for a long time now. And I'm happy to see that other publications are finally picking it up. And that's why one of the things that we say is 
oftentimes like people are trying to find these little nooks and crannies, these little curdles, you know, is there an email? Is there a, a text message that we missed? Is there uh, something we could subpoena? Is there a Freedom of Information Act request that we can make? Sometimes it's just like, yeah, are you are you listening to what he just said? Like he 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 just said some pretty crazy stuff. Like he he said he wants to fire all the prosecutors around the country. Did did, did you hear that? He said he wants to gut the Justice Department from the inside out and fire everybody and implement his own justice system that protects it. Are are we listening to this? Because if it were, if it were an email, I think we'd have front page stories about all this. And I finally, before we get into the Jack Smith stuff, like I saw this Washington Post article um, recently. Um, from the past 24 hours that was titled Trump and Allies Plot Revenge, Justice Department Control in a Second Term. And it was outlining how Trump and his allies have begun mapping out all these specific plans for weaponizing the federal government to punish his critics and opponents should he win a second term. They even spoke about individuals who he wanted to sick the government on. He wants to try to prosecute somebody like Mark Milley. He wants to prosecute Ty Cobb, who has spoken out uh, negatively about him. He wants to prosecute Bill Barr, basically anybody who has spoken out negatively against Donald Trump, he wants to criminally prosecute. And I'm happy that this is finally making it into uh, the major newspapers out there and that this is coming to light for folks. But that's why I urge everybody, he says this stuff at every single rally. He says stuff like this all the time and often gets pretty specific, which is why if you haven't checked out, you could search on MidasTouch.com. we got a great team at MidasTouch.com. And Ron Filipkowski over there is our editor-in-chief. And Ron wrote a great piece that is 27 insane things that Donald Trump has promised that he would do if he were to win a second term. I urge everybody to look up 27 things in the search bar in MidasTouch.com. Take that article, share it around. It is truly horrifying. And once again, it is, these are the things that he is saying publicly. We do not need to get a source of, ooh, somebody close to Donald Trump said X. No, this is stuff that came out of his mouth over the past few months that he said that he would do should he get control of the government. And you could put whatever term you want on it, but the term is fascism. He wants to create an autocratic government where he is the dictator in charge, where he uses the power of the federal government to prosecute his political enemies and where he uses the power of the federal government to exact revenge on anybody who he who deems a threat or deems that he uh, did something badly to him. So it's important that we are sharing this stuff and that we are listening to his words because he is telling us who he is. We just need to listen. I want to talk about, though, Brett, you mentioned that article about the 27 campaign promises and the story that uh, Ron Filipkowski wrote, where Donald Trump would imply things that were worse than like when Donald Trump says, I'm going to you know, fire all of the people who I consider to be Marxist and communist, which is he defines as people who are kind of opposed to him. Like, the yeah. implication is... And there's not a lot of nuance in what Donald Trump is saying is that like he's dehumanizing people like they're cockroaches to justify killing them. Like that's how I interpret the, the, the these things. And I think that's how people interpret his language. You know, it was interesting because, you know, PolitiFacts, which does some good, you know, PolitiFact, which does some good work, um, you know, they put three writers to try to fact check Filipkowski's story. And Filipkowski's a pro. And ultimately, when you go through, because they were asking us a lot of questions, we were providing them with all of the information, they basically come to the conclusion that everything Filipkowski said is accurate. 
but they say the following. We analyzed the 27 items of Filipkowski and found that Trump did say something close to what the article claims, although in some cases, Midas Touch Network ignored the nuances in Trump's framing. And when you're saying that we ignored the nuances in Trump's framing, it's like, why are you fighting so hard to find nuance in somebody whose nuance fee? Trump's trying to blur and create ambiguity so he can basically say, I never actually said to do that. But you have to, the same way Judge Ngoron basically, it, it, remember when Judge Ngoron said, no, when Donald Trump said that the person sitting next to me was a you know political hack who's, who has it out against me after I issued the gag order, Judge Ngoron said, based on the surrounding circumstances, I'm not accepting the nuance of Trump's framing, <laughs> right? Judge Ngoron says, here's clearly what he meant. And let's take it seriously. So I just think that's important that when someone like Filipkowski, by the way, a former prosecutor in Georgia, Filipkowski, who actually defended RICO cases and prosecuted, knows a thing or two about this, who's going through these 27 things, you know, Filipkowski, they put three people to try to, three people. Ben, he's being a little nuanced. Ben, and said you don't, basically you, you don't we didn't appreciate the nuances in in, in what Donald Trump's uh, uh, statements were. So that was oh let me let me read for you the portion though of Jack Smith's motion here though because you'll see how specifically Jack Smith used Trump's words. For instance, the government will introduce at trial. Donald Trump's own statements in the year since January 6th proclaiming, quote, it was a beautiful day and calling rioters patriots, many of whom he, quote, plans to pardon. The government will also introduce evidence of defendant Donald Trump's public support for and association with the January 6th choir. A group, particularly a group of particularly violent January 6th defendants detained at the District of Columbia jail. The defendant's decision to repeatedly stand behind January 6th rioters and their cause is relevant to the jury's determination of whether he intended the actions at the Capitol that day. So you see how that goes to intent. And then special counsel Jack Smith filed his opposition to Donald Trump's motion to dismiss on constitutional and statutory grounds. And one of the things special counsel Jack Smith says is, look, Donald Trump says this is the first time in history where this has happened. And Jack Smith goes, defendant stands alone in American history for his alleged crimes. No other president has engaged in conspiracy and obstruction to overturn valid election results and illegitimately retain power. The indictment squarely charges the defendant for this conduct and the defendant's constitutional and statutory challenges are meritless. And then special counsel Jack Smith goes on to say how the indictments in this case charge defendant Donald Trump, then president, with perpetrating an unprecedented campaign of deceit to attack the very functioning of the federal government, to collect, count, and certify votes, to obstruct the January 6th congressional proceeding at which the election results are certified, and to disenfranchise millions of voters, all in a concerted criminal effort to overturn the presidential election results and prevent the lawful transfer of power 
power to his successor. Because the defendant cannot mount meritorious challenges to the charges against him in his motions, he relies on distortions and misrepresentation. The defendants attempt to rewrite the indictment, claiming that it charges him with wholly innocuous, perhaps even admirable conduct, sharing his opinions about election fraud and seeking election integrity, when in fact it clearly describes defendants' fraudulent use of knowingly false statements as weapons in furtherance of his criminal plans. The defendants' motion cite cases that upon examination undermine his arguments rather than support them, and he improperly challenges the government's anticipated trial evidence at this stage. So you have a very powerful motion, but why is it powerful? It's because it's fact-based. It's using Donald Trump's words. It's going through Donald Trump's cases that the one that Trump cites and saying, here's actually what the case asserts. And that to me is what this is all about. And again, as I said before, that shouldn't be, oh, that's a Democrat thing or an independent thing or a Republican thing. That should just be the thing. That we all want, you know, not to have people try to spin us or lie to us. Look, uh, how are you okay with Donald Trump singing songs with the January 6th choir comprised of some of the most dangerous of all of the rioters, of all of the insurrectionists? When did that become that that's something that's like a republican view and i and i say that looking at like republic that should that should just disgust you that that's even a thing and that to me again is why i think that this election is about more than just you know hey this party or that party i think it's about democracy versus fascism it's about normalcy versus there ain't nothing normal about singing songs with the january 6th choir and 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 bragging about it and then when donald trump tries to argue in his briefing that the allegations about donald trump's role in the insurrection are inflammatory and donald trump tries to distance himself from january 6th special counsel jack smith goes no, 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 no. You know what you're doing when you sing in songs with them, when you are behaving this way, when you're saying these things, you don't get to spin the people in public and then then take on a different persona in the courtroom. Your courtroom cons- your courtroom conduct needs to be consistent with how you behave outside the courtroom. That's what I'm looking for, Brett and Jay. Yeah, and it seems pretty obvious that despite all of Donald Trump's motions here, despite all of his attempts to delay, Judge Chuckin is doing everything in her power to keep this thing on track for that March 4th date, March 4th, 2024. And just think about how close that actually is. That is really right around the corner. And if we are looking at the behavior of Donald Trump in court during these civil cases, and I guess one could argue that maybe the civil cases somehow even hurt more, right? Because it speaks to his entire ego and his livelihood and everything he's sort of built himself upon, right? This big, great house of cards, this gigantic fraud, that is exactly where the civil case is going after. But imagine when his actual freedom is on the line and he's sitting in that courtroom and all of this evidence is being presented to a jury in Washington, D.C. about his actions preceding January 6th, on January 6th, and following January 6th, showing step by step 
his conspiracy here and his attempts to overthrow the United States government. I think it is going to be powerful. I think we are going to see Trump with his back against the wall like we have never seen before. We already saw Judge Chutkin directed that hundreds of potential jurors be summoned to the D.C. federal court in February to fill out juror questionnaires for this trial. So that is all to say this is getting real. This is getting very, very real. And if you think you've seen action now, you ain't seen nothing yet. I mean, yeah, the New York Attorney General civil fraud case in the swing of things is like not even the appetizer in terms of (laughs) – it's like the the bread, you know, and then you've got the appetizer. I was going to say, I was thinking like what comes before the appetizer? I don't know. That's a – I love this analogy as a dinner. Keep going. Free bread. Yeah, keep going. That's it. But here's but special counsel Jack Smith is. What's the dessert? Special counsel Jack Smith is anticipating though Trump's next move. In another motion that Jack Smith filed, he filed like four things today. What he informed the judges it was like a motion in terms of like judge, can you rule on Donald Trump's motion to dismiss on the uh, you know on his purported immunity grounds as well as on his constitutional and statutory grounds because. What Jack Smith realizes, what Trump's play here, is to seek emergency interlocutory review from the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals. And what Donald Trump is hoping that they do is that the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals or the Supreme Court will issue a stay of the March trial date until after the election. That's his sole play. So one of the things Donald Trump did, you may be wondering, is it normal that he filed all of these motions to dismiss? It is not. You would normally do an omnibus motion to dismiss that includes all of your grounds. You would write a motion to dismiss, and then you would have immunity, statutory, vindictive prosecution. Those would all be separate arguments. But what Trump's lawyer's strategy is, and this hasn't really been talked about by legal commentators, I'm just letting you know what his strategy is, is every time you bring one of these interlocutory reviews to the DC circuit, that just means an immediate appeal before a judgment, a different panel gets selected randomly by the DC circuit court of appeals. So for example, the panel that's taking a look at Donald Trump's interlocutory appeal on the gag order issue, two Biden judges, one Obama judge, they even granted, because that's kind of the per se thing that you do, a administrative stay on enforcing something for a short period of time. And that's two Obama judges and a one Biden court of appeal judge. So what Donald Trump's lawyer strategy is, and they haven't said this, but it's obvious to me um, analyzing what they're doing is if we bring four separate motions to dismiss on four different grounds rather than consolidating it, we'll try to do four appeals. And then hopefully we draw amongst those four appeals one DC circuit panel that maybe is comprised of George Bush, Trump panel, or something like that. And maybe you get them to issue a stay of the trial. Donald Trump's not defending this case like the way you would defend it. There's no arguments. He's dead to rights in terms of the law, the facts, what a jury's going to do. He's giving up on that. Like That's not where his strategy is. The whole strategy is file multiple motions, push them to the DC circuit, 
on interlocutory appeals. And that's why Jack Smith in his filing said to Judge Chuckin, rule on these ones quickly because we know what he's going to try to do and we want to keep this March 2024 trial date. That's like, you've heard of inside baseball, that's inside, inside, inside baseball right there. But that's the machinations at such a granular level that's actually taking place behind the scenes and what's lining up there. We're about 85 memberships away from the uh, Tish James emoji. 68 now, Ben. Sorry, 68. I gave you. I gave you. That's how fast this is going. We're at 68 memberships until the Tish right. James emoji. Well, I'm I'm confident that we will uh, get there. I also want to remind everybody separately, patreon.com slash Midas Touch. We're going to be doing an after show after this. The last one was super fun where we did rapid fire questions. Love that. Which everybody, I think everybody enjoyed. Also, we've got new merch at store.midastouch.com as well. Some great great swag. They are 100% union made, 100% made in the USA. You got the special counsel, Jack Smith, justice shirts and other great stuff there as well. So we'll take our last quick break of the day. And when we come back, I want to break down what went down in Florida. Then let's talk about some good economic news. And then let's talk about, here's what I'd like to see during the break as well, while you watch some of these ads from our pro-democracy sponsors. Put in the comments below what you are. I'd love to read this right now. I'm going to take a look at the YouTube chat. What you are doing to make sure you get out the vote for November 7th on Tuesday. And are you phone banking? Are you reaching out? Have you called someone? Do you intend to call people after this? What actions are you taking? And I want to make sure that you're all saying that you're going to vote. But what actions are you taking to reach out to friends, family members, coworkers, any neighbors, whoever, to let them know, vote, vote, vote. We'll be right back after this quick break. I know a lot of you watching are entrepreneurs. You run your own business and I run a business too. So I know how hard it is to manage your numbers, manage the trends, manage the market and budget everything. But not every business is in the dark. Because of our sponsor today, NetSuite. 36,000. That's the number of businesses which have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, streamlining accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25. NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. 1. Because your business is one of a kind. So you get a customized solution for all your KPIs, your key performance indicators, in one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. Everything you need all in one place. The power of having all of this information in one place to make better decisions is truly unprecedented. And the offer that NetSuite provides has been a total game changer for my business and I know it will be for yours as well. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash Midas. That's netsuite.com slash Midas to get your own KPI checklist. netsuite.com slash Midas. Let's take a quick break to talk about our next partner, Zbiotics. Now, if you're like me, you've probably skipped a workout because of drinks the night before. Like, it happens. But if you're committed to your healthy routine, you need Zbiotics. Zbiotics Pre-Alcohol Probiotic is the world's first genetically engineered probiotic. It was invented by PhD scientists to tackle rough mornings after drinking. 
Here's how it works. When you drink, alcohol gets converted into a toxic byproduct in the gut. It's this byproduct, not dehydration, that's to blame for your rough next day. Zbiotics produces an enzyme to break this byproduct down. It's designed to work like your liver, but in your gut where you need it most. Just remember to drink Zbiotics before drinking alcohol, drink responsibly, and get a good night's sleep to feel your best tomorrow. Now, I can't lie, after we hit 1 million subscribers, I may have partied a little bit too much that night. But luckily, I knew I had Zbiotics. Now, as instructed, I drank a bottle of Zbiotics before any alcohol, and I was amazed at just how good I felt the next day. Give Zbiotics a try for yourself. Go to zbiotics.com slash Midas to get 15% off your first order when you use Midas at checkout. Zbiotics is backed with a 100% money back guarantee. So if you're unsatisfied for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. Remember, head to zbiotics.com slash Midas and use the code Midas at checkout for 15% off. Thank you, Zbiotics, for sponsoring this episode. Welcome back. We are live and we hit our emoji. Go. go. Release think, the New I York Attorney like, General Letitia James let's, emoji. Let's we'll do get it. That going. We'll get that going in just a second. But I want to do a little bit of housekeeping as Salty gets that plugged in. If you check the description of this show or this podcast, however you were getting it, check the description. I just put in a link where you could get involved and volunteer for the Virginia elections, which are incredibly important elections. And you could do this no matter where you live and no matter if you've done uh, volunteer work in the past or if this is your first time and you want to try it out. So you could check out the link in the description. I'll say it right here also, but remember the link is in the description. It is bit.ly slash vote blue Virginia. And it's a capital V, a capital B, a capital V. It's easier to just to click the link in the description. (laughs) Click the link. Just click the link. It's easy. And, and they have opportunities for, if you're listening to this on Tuesday, they have opportunities on Tuesday. Some people often ask me, like, what, what do you mean phone banking? What, what is this phone banking thing? What is text banking? It's it's contacting voters. Basically, you'll get a list of phone numbers. It's it's never done with like your phone number, at least typically. Um, you use like a service and you call folks who are prospective voters and you remind them about the election. They have a script that you go off of. It's totally low pressure and it's a great easy way to get involved and make your voice heard, even if you're not in a state where an election's going on. So I just want to bring maximum attention to these uh, to these races. Also in the description is a link to our Patreon if you want to go and watch the Midas More After Show. And by the way, all of our pro-democracy sponsors are in the description. If you want to remember those, you don't have to remember everything we said. It's all in the description. And every podcast on the Midas Touch Network, even including podcasts you may not have even heard of, are always in the description of of the Midas Touch podcast. I want to give a special shout out to Mea Culpa with Michael Cohen, which has been absolutely incredible. It's officially come 100% under the Midas Touch Network banner now. So what does that mean for you as the audience? That means you're going to get even more Mea Culpa video podcasts right here on the Midas Touch YouTube channel, but that's not all. We have our own new Mea Culpa podcast feed. If you ever want to listen to new episodes of Mea Culpa with Michael Cohen, you got to make sure you add that feed. It's free. Any podcast app, just search Mea Culpa. It is the version with the blue background. Any other podcast feed will only have old episodes. This has the new episodes of Mea Culpa. And once again, that is also in the description of this show. When when Michael Cohen was transferring the RSS feed 
from the other one to us, the first thing I said is I said, it's got to be blue, Cohen. I mean, yeah, what's can't have that? What are we doing? I'm a red? You got to go blue. Jordy, what were you going to say? I was going to say that was some really impressive filibustering until we got Tish James emoji loaded in. So well, excellent we got job. It now. I'd say you forgot one thing. I know in the Z-Biotics, I alluded to how much I needed the Z-Biotics uh, product after we had 1 million subscribers. Brothers, Midas Mighty. We're almost going to hit 2 million subscribers now yeah. on YouTube. So I'm. it's a it's call wild. out to everybody watching and listening to the show right now. If you don't subscribe to the Midas Touch YouTube channel, it's probably one of the easiest, if not the easiest thing you could do. You're watching right now. Just hit that subscribe button. Let's get to that 2 million subscribers. As of this, we're at 1.75 million subscribers. And I hope to be at 2 million by January. That is goal. Woo. Let's go. And let's go talk about what went down at this Florida event where all the Republican presidential candidates spoke. Well, one thing I should mention, there's Donald Trump right there. I, I'm interested to see what's going on in Iowa. Donald Trump seems a little bit nervous about the Iowa caucuses where you need organization, caucus captains. He seems nervous about what's going on there. And so I don't know what data his team has. But if there is a surprise showing by either DeSantis or Nikki Haley there um, that demonstrates Trump's weakness, then a narrative can develop. A narrative can develop. At the same time, in 2016, you know Ben Carson was leading Donald Trump in the polls at the so exact wild. same. That's why. Incident. That's why I say there's so much that's going to happen between now and election day. At this moment. In 2019, I'm pretty sure everyone was like, oh, it's going to be Jeb Bush versus Hillary. That was like the prevailing narrative. People were sure of it, Pos positive. Who's this Donald Trump guy? This guy's a joke. Oh, this guy, is, is, is this, uh, he's just making a mockery. He's just promoting his, his, his brand. It's going to be Jeb and Hillary. How did that work out? We truthfully don't know. None of us know what's actually going to happen. And then if you remember back to 2016 as well, one of the reasons why Donald Trump is probably feeling a bit of fear about this caucus is because he lost in 2016. If you remember the Iowa caucus, he lost it to Ted Cruz. He lost the Iowa caucus to Ted Cruz. And then what did he say? Then he said it was rigged. And he said and it, it was, was rigged stolen. and he blamed that, that Ted Cruz stole it and it was rigged. He pulled the same playbook, the same BS that he's pulling to this day. He did it when he was a nobody candidate in Iowa in 2016. So let's just put some things in perspective. And I'm very curious to see what happens in Iowa. But Ben, Jordy, this Freedom Fest event, as they call it, was really just a, a fascist fest event, other than a few speakers who actually dared to challenge the audience uh, with their beliefs. And by their beliefs, I mean, they're just, they're made up the lies that they have in their brains. You had Chris Christie actually come out there and confront the crowd head on. You had Asa Hutchinson actually confront the crowd head on. But aside from like those two voices, everyone else was just wanted to lie to these people because they know they didn't want the scorn, the booze that Asa Hutchinson got, that Chris Christie got. But one of the things I liked, and I'm not a Chris Christie fan, but I do like that he's in this primary and that he is calling Donald Trump out in front of these MAGA audiences. Chris Christie seemed to thrive in the booze, right? He just let the booze sink into him and it almost gave him an energy. Could we start with that clip first? Chris Christie challenging the MAGA Republicans at this event. 
and saying basically everything you're being lied to. Why, why do you want to be lied to like this? Just listen to Christy here. Yeah. Well, now it feels like home. Thank you all very much. Let me, let me first thank the chairman and everyone here. Yep. Look. That, what a shock you're for Trump. I'm going to fall over dead. Now look. Now look. Every one of those boos, every one of those catcalls, every one of those yells will not keep it. Yes, sure. Will not solve one problem we face in this country will not stop and will and will not and and will not make this country better your anger your anger your anger against the truth is reprehensible when you think about the problems when you think about the problems that our country and this world is facing, when you think about that, this type of pettiness, this type of pettiness is beneath, beneath the process of electing a president. Yeah. And, and as people, and as people watch today, as people watch today, if your arguments are so strong, if your arguments are so great and mine are so bad, then just keep quiet. Let me make my awful arguments and then you can just reject them out of hand. But the problem is, the problem is, the problem is you fear the truth. We talk about moments in, in time that resonate and kind of stand the test of time. And I think that'll be one of them. You know, I think we'll look back at this moment and the insanity and the del level of delusion that we see with these MAGA crowds. And we'll be like, how could nobody say anything? How could all of these people enable such horrific behavior? And then we'll be reminded of moments like that from Chris Christie. And I think we'll say, okay, there was one voice that was trying to break through then. And I think that that will actually age well for Chris Christie while he received the booze while he was on the stage this week. I think it's going to be a much different story when the book of Donald Trump is finally over. Well, thing. the question is, is, you know, who's writing that history? And that's why it is so vital that the pro-democracy community gets out there. When you talked about phone banking, there are more pro-democracy voters out there. They just need to be activated. They need to be informed. We need to get the data out there. And let's just go from that to what Donald Trump was saying at that same event. So you went from Chris Christie saying, your anger against the truth is reprehensible. And they boo Chris Christie as he's going through the facts and the evidence of here is why Donald Trump is so dangerous. And then Donald Trump speaks after. And Donald Trump talks about his love of who? 
Our military, no, because he calls our military dummies and stupid and says people like the former chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Mark Milley, is one of the biggest morons he's ever known. Donald Trump attacks the late, great John McCain. Donald Trump attacks our military leaders. He calls people in our military who died and made the ultimate sacrifices suckers and losers. That's what Donald Trump says about them. But you talk about Viktor Orban, the leader of Hungary, and Donald Trump doesn't know where Hungary is. Like the mere fact that Donald Trump doesn't know where Hungary is, setting aside the fact that he's praising the leader of Hungary, in past elections, before Donald Trump came on scene, that would be disqualifying, right? The politician who spells potato the wrong way, the politician who chants, woohoo, you know, there would be certain kind of just the standards were set high for politicians. And it doesn't mean we always elected as a country people who can be called, you know, to truly met those high standards, but at least they pretended to, at least they pretended to. Um, so Donald Trump, every time he does this speech, and again, this is a speech that's on a teleprompter. He he always gets it wrong. And so he always, at first he thinks that Viktor Orban was the leader of Turkey in another speech. And then he constantly says that Hungary borders Russia, which either means Donald Trump just, again, is completely ignorant and keeps saying a wrong thing. Or perhaps more frighteningly, he's giving a Putin talking point by saying that Hungary's small border with Ukraine is how it borders Russia. And that would be a horrifying proposition if that's what – in either event, it's – and he says it over and over again. So here he is praising Viktor Orban. Here, play this clip. You know, one of the strongest of all is Viktor Orban and Viktor Orban of – you know that of Hungary. And he has the privilege of fronting on Ukraine and Russia. It's the only one. He fronts on both and those are very well. And what do you mean? The strongest what? The strongest what of them all? You know, he never praises – like Canada or the UK or France or you know he, he, he never or or NATO countries you know he doesn't praise that he he praises Viktor Orban so you look into Viktor Orban okay you're praising Viktor Orban as the most powerful and so I ask because that's a model for Donald Trump right okay so what's the inflation rate in Hungary it's twenty percent inflation. All right, what's the entire GDP of this place that Donald Trump and all these MAGA Republicans are acting like is our utopia, right? Like what's the GDP? $180 billion for 2022. So I then looked, I looked at all American <laughs> corporations and I said, okay, let's look at what other corporations had about a similar annual revenue as the entire country of Hungary had GDP. And like Cigna, the healthcare, Cigna has about the same GDP. Apple has a higher annual revenue than Hungary's GDP. And Hungary has 20% inflation. You know, it, it reminds me though, when you think about like to the to the Taliban or to ISIS, right? What was their paradise? Like, what did that look like? It looked like Raqqa, right? At its peak. Like that's what they looked at as like, that's what they were saying that that is like the ideal place to live. And it's like, you, you're saying that Hungary is how you want a, a United States of America. Sometimes when President Biden's like, this is the United States of America. That's what he's channeling. We're America. Why, why are we acting, you know, the portion that supports MAGA, like, why are we acting like losers? 
Like that's kind of what Biden's saying. Like that's like hungry. You're saying we want to be hungry under Viktor Orban, 20% inflation? What? And here, when Chris Christie says your anger against the truth is reprehensible, here, Donald Trump's now, you know, we all heard what Donald Trump, Mexico's going to pay for the wall. Mexico's going to pay for the wall. So now Donald Trump says, what I really said, Mexico's going to pay for a piece of the wall. And even if they didn't do that, they gave us 28,000 soldiers. Like, and I said, these, this crowd must love just being lied to. Here, play this clip. And for those people that talk about Mexico, you know, I said Mexico is going to pay for a piece of the wall. They paid for much more than that. They gave us 28,000 soldiers because there was no way legally they could pay for our wall. You know, they tried to work that, but they paid much more. They paid for our soldiers. And uh, that wasn't easy to do. They also did many other things for us. Okay. And again, it doesn't quite fit on the bumper sticker, Ben. Doesn't quite fit with the chant. I don't remember the chant. And who's going to pay for it? Mexico's going to pay for the wall, but there's no way for them legally to do it. So they're only going to pay for a piece of the wall, but not actually paying for the wall. They're just going to pay for some troops. I don't remember those chants from the Trump rallies. And I, I watch it though, and I'm just like, that they, that isn't somebody who is strong. Like that's part of, again, where I try to like even just divorce politics from it, right? Like I'm just looking at that and I'm like, that's just a straight up loser. Like that's a loser. Like who does that? That looks weak to me. It, it's unhinged. It, it's it's just so unbecoming of our nation. Like like what is that? I'm like that's that's a I don't care what political party. That's a loser right there. That's how losers talk right there. That's how losers behave. Here Donald Trump talks about and again this is part of a speech where he tells his audience everything is a lie. The whole thing is a lie. Everything you see is a lie. Don't believe anything. Here, play this clip. I have friends. They're very good golfers. They're six handicaps. I say, Joe Biden says he's the equivalent of you. No, it's just a lie. Everything's a lie. The whole thing is a lie. The whole election was a lie. As president... I will be creating a truth and reconciliation commission to shed sunlight on every dark and rotten corner of Washington, D.C., starting with Biden. Then you watch that and and you just compare. It's like when President Biden speaks, it is data-driven, it is here are the facts, and it is just, let's talk about things that benefit the American people. I mean, Donald Trump's saying everything is a lie. It's all a lie. You're being, everything's a lie. You know, here in the Midas Touch Network, I say, let's get to the evidence. Let's let's talk about the facts. Let's look at things. Let's actually analyze things. His stump speech is everything's a lie. Don't believe anything. Really, the only people who have the answers, it's like me, Giuliani, and that's it. Yeah, Mark Meadows. No, he doesn't have the. He used to have the answers, but now he's 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 a rhino now. Bill Barr. No, Bill Barr's a Bill Barr's a Bill Barr's in on the conspiracy with Mark Meadows and all of my other lawyers and everybody else. I, I, I'm the only person. I'm not going to actually show it to you. I'm not going to, sh- and I'm going to say the exact opposite of what I previously said. That you can actually see me saying the exact opposite. 
but just because I'm saying everything's a lie, everything's a lie. And that right there is the big lie. That right there is the big lie. And that's where we all need to call it out. We need to share this info with people. We need to share these episodes of the Midas Touch Network. Show people these clips. That's where you as part of this community can really help. And so when people go, no, he's not really making them pledge allegiance to the J6 anthem. You go, yeah, look, here here it is. I'm so confident. If you think about it, you remember how earlier on the show we talked about undisputed evidence, right? And that, that being the standard for a summary judgment motion. That's kind of the standard for the Midas Touch podcast and and the shows that we do. We rely on undisputed evidence where I basically say, look, let's take their words. And Brett, when you started early on with the videos, it was like, let's take their words. Let's look at what they say and let's look at the undisputed evidence. I'll give you all of my talking points. And Brett, we'll talk about the economy right now. We'll talk about what's at stake. I'll give you my talking points. But first, let me show you the undisputed evidence here about why they are liars and dangerous for the country. And when they say, Russia, if you're listening, hack into the emails, you know, go and do it. Just listen to what they're saying. And then when they go, Russia, 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 there's nothing about Russia. I don't know. Russia, if you're listening, that's that's kind of who, who says that? Went from tear down the wall, Mr. Gorbachev, to Russia, if you are listening to Viktor Gorbachev, I mean, Viktor Orban, <laughs> Viktor Gorbachev, Viktor Orban, the most powerful ruler of them all. Brett, give us some good news about the economy, and let's talk about November 7th. Big, big, big elections. If you're listening to this on audio, that means the elections are today, November 7th. There are a lot of elections around the country. If you are in Mississippi, if you are in Virginia, Ohio, Kentucky, Pennsylvania, anywhere else, just check, see if you have an election on November 7th. The stakes are high. And a lot of these, let's face it, a lot of these races are also about the narratives, right? You know that the legacy media and the Republicans. They're all salivating to be able to tell themselves a story. (gasps) Oh, are the Democrats in trouble? As they have before every single election that's happened in my recent memory, but specifically from the midterms on that, by the way, they have been wrong about 100% of the time, whether it was the Supreme Court races in Wisconsin or other ballot initiatives throughout the country, they have been wrong. We want to keep this streak alive. So I'll just give you a few tidbits about some of these races in Mississippi, just to show you the state of the Republican Party. In Mississippi, the Republicans are terrified that voters may vote against their Republican governor, Tate Reeves, who I'm sure many of you have seen. Tate Reeves is up for re-election, and for the first time in a long time, the Republicans are actually panicked about the Democratic opponent. Now, this doesn't mean at all that it's a sure thing. This means that it's going to be close, though, if they are this panicked about it. There is a Democrat in Mississippi named Brandon Presley. If you think that name kind of sounds familiar, why does that name sound familiar? He's actually Elvis Presley's cousin, Brandon Presley, and he has this name recognition in Mississippi, which is probably one of the reasons why he's also doing well on the ballot. But also, he's pledged to expand Medicaid, uh, better funding for public schools, which are things that really affect people's lives there. And so I think you have people being like, oh, this guy actually wants to 
help and, and give us some health care and, and fund our schools. That actually sounds like a nice alternative to what we have here. So Brandon Presley running against Tate Reeves in Mississippi. If you are a Mississippi listener of the Midas Touch podcast or know anybody who listens to the show there, make sure you get out that shore to be a close one there. Virginia. Virginia is a bellwether election. It is a state where a lot of people look to to decide, is this where the direction of the country is heading? You remember the fuss that was made at, at when Glenn Youngkin won that gubernatorial election. Everyone was like, it's all over for the Democrats. This is it. You know, it was pandemonium when that happened. And Glenn Youngkin is trying to do the same thing that he did then, which is repackage MAGA in a Patagonia vest. Sorry, Ben, I know you're a fan. I'm a fan too. No, no diss to Patagonia. Um, but repackaging MAGA in a vest in order to try to make it more palatable to voters. That's Glenn Youngkin's strategy out there. And Democrats currently hold a very slim majority in the Virginia State Senate. So what's Glenn Youngkin's pitch? His pitch is, you give me some Republican state senators to give us the majority, and we will move ahead, and we will pass an abortion ban in Virginia. That's what he's saying. That's what he wants to do. That's what the Republicans want to do. That's why it's important that we vote for the Democrats in the Virginia election. Vote blue up and down the ballot. Ohio, very, very important. Ohio is voting to enshrine abortion rights into the state's constitution via issue one and to legalize marijuana via issue two. Issue one passes in Ohio. It will be the seventh state to do so post Roe. It will be another sign that the death of Roe is motivating voters to speak out that there is this backlash that Rovember continues. So row, row, row your vote in Ohio. Make sure you get out there and vote for issue one. Pennsylvania, we got a Supreme Court justice race. Jordy, make sure you vote. It's not going to determine the majority or anything. The uh, pro-democracy judges currently control the court four to two, but always important to have control over these courts because we know what Republicans do when they take control. They try to rule by force. They try to write anyone who appreciates democracy out of the state. They push all this horrific gerrymandering. They allow the implementation of all of this horrific policy. So continue to get out there and vote. If I did not mention your state, don't you worry. Go online. There are a lot of resources out there. And just make sure you do your civic duty and get out into the polls. Your vote always matters. It matters especially so in these off-year elections because a lot of people don't even know they're going on. Like, I think you'd be shocked. You hear it here. You, you know, you probably see it other places. Everybody in this audience is very, I think, in tune with what's going on. But you'd be shocked talking to friends, speaking to people around you, how few people actually know that there are elections that are right here, right now, and also the importance of the elections and how it will impact their lives and their freedoms. So get out and vote, people. This is what it's all about. At the end of the day, this is what it's all culminates to. This is what it all leads to. Yeah. And you really can make a difference. A lot of these races, a lot of these uh, things that are on the ballot can come down to hundreds of votes. Hundreds. That could be the decision maker. So there was at one point 25,000 people in this live. Um, we're getting about 18 million people watching this every 48 hours at the Midas Touch Network. So just think if we all just did a little bit, the community that you all created, the Midas Mighty 
really can be the difference maker. And I think it's been a difference maker in a lot of these elections, and it can continue to be a force that y'all created and that I'm just so honored to be a part of. Just some other news, inflation in the United States has fallen by 60% and core inflation is at its lowest level in two years. We're defying all predictions that it would take a sharp increase in unemployment to bring inflation down. I was looking back at those Obama-Romney numbers. Unemployment at that time was around 8 to 9% at that time. Right now, it's at like the lowest it's ever been at history. Biden is taking real significant action to try to um, bring inflation down. We have the highest GDP of all G7, the lowest inflation of all G7 nations. That means like across the – means what it obviously means, but across the whole world – like if you were to come in first place in the World Cup, you wouldn't go, oh, America's the worst. You'd go, America won. And <laughs> there's still a lot of work to do. This is not a spike the football moment, but we have leaders who are here to address problems. That's the purpose of leadership. When COVID hits our shores, you don't want a leader to say, inject bleach in your arm. You want someone who before it hits our shores. And I guarantee if President Biden was the leader at that time, if Hillary Clinton was, we'd be tracing that and we would have scientists on the ground and doing everything. And the Trump administration's decision with everything is don't test, cover your eyes, pretend a situation doesn't exist, and then blame somebody else. That's like what Donald Trump does his entire life. And you want to just talk about, you know, where's inflation, where's inflation coming from, right? Like, Again, this is where you have to be evidence-based and, and data-driven and just look at the facts. And by the way, where we can talk about undisputed evidence. So if you're on the fence and you're like, Ben, I get it, but all the, anytime the media covers you, they say that Midas Touch is a liberal lefty. So how can we trust you, Ben, to tell me this? I, I, I'm on the fence about this. When I'm, and I'm, I consider myself a right wing person. So how do I trust you? First off, I'd say we're pro democracy and the labels that the media gives, I think is whatever they want to give. But we, people who know the Midas touch know that we're pro democracy. This is an open tent pro democracy network. But just think about like, what is Ron? Let's do undisputed facts. What's Nikki Haley saying right now? What's Ron DeSantis saying right now about Donald Trump? One of the things that they're talking about is that there was more debt under Trump than anywhere else in American history. Eight trillion dollars of debt. Eight trillion with a T like Trump. Trump ran the biggest deficits in history. Trump printed more money than any president ever at eight trillion dollars of debt. And a lot of that for his billionaire tax cuts before COVID, before COVID. And then the PPP program that had zero controls in it at all, that led to kind of rampant fraud and all the money that was printed. So there has to be a responsible adult leadership that addresses it. And President Biden confronted the issue. President Biden didn't cover it up and act like it didn't exist. And hopefully you can pass the buck. No, President Biden makes hard decisions. And when you go through some of that polling data, you know, some of the things that Americans are upset is that he's got to make hard decisions as a leadership, as a leader. And do you want, I mean, would you rather have someone who makes hard decisions and 
is grounded in principles versus someone who just says whatever it is. I never said the wall. I said a piece of the wall. I never said this. Everybody lies to you about everything. Everybody lies to you. I've never said that I'm I'm out for you. I'm look at me. I'm in a factory for union workers, and, and you're not. You're just you you made up a fake set. <laughs> you know they always talk about crisis actors and macro problems. You literally created. You went to a factory that was a non-union shop, and you handed out signs to people who weren't union workers that said "Union Workers for Trump." And we're supposed to trust you. You lie about everything. Also, we just learned our economy created 150,000 jobs in October, bringing the total since Biden took office to 14 million jobs. That's on top of an unemployment rate that has stayed under 4% for 21 months straight, the longest stretch in over 50 years. That's good data, and it is incumbent upon us to share this good data with people. And we need to, there's always a need, again, this isn't a spike the football moment, but it is important because all the gatekeepers out there and legacy media and elsewhere, they're always want to, they don't want to talk about what Donald Trump's doing. Instead, they want to talk about, look, uh, President Biden only has 40,000 infrastructure projects. Uh, uh, Why isn't there 50,000 infrastructure projects? You know, they they always want to criticize things. And sometimes, you're allowed to criticize. I get it. But remember what I said earlier in the show about the power of your pen as well. Where are you directing that power of your pen? And for me, it's obvious there's a real fascist threat that's taking place. That's not hyperbolic. I'm just showing you the data. And I think you understand that. That's why as we head into November 7th, and for those who are listening to this on November 7th, now's the time. For those who are listening to this on November 6th, let everybody know just let them know right now. After the show, just send a text message. Let people know. Hey, are you voting tomorrow? Are you voting tomorrow? Please make sure you vote. Are you going to bring family members to vote? Are you going to be voting with other people? Do you have a voting plan? Please do that. That's a massive way that you can help. We put in the description ways you can help as well. Let's harness the power of this pro-democracy community. I want to thank everybody for unlocking those Tish James emojis. They are great. Here's my programming note as well. Coming up after this episode, we will be having the special edition Legal AF with Karen Friedman Agnifilo and Danya Perry, two of the former top prosecutors, one a former top state prosecutor, the other a former top federal prosecutor breaking down today's events. So look for that in the next hour if you're checking the Midas Touch Network. And if you're watching this on another day, check out the Midas Touch feed for that. I'm so excited for them to be doing more of these special edition Legal AFs together. Store.MidasTouch.com is the place for all the best. Check these out. Check these out. Wow. Jack Smith justice shirt, the dark Brandon merch. We got the I'm woke and I vote. This might be my favorite, this I'm woke and I vote. It's pretty pretty spectacular. And we got all the winter gear also. We got the sweatshirts and the tees and we got V's and various options as well. I love the Midas Touch Network stuff too. I, By the way, I've now ordered literally every single new product (laughs) from the store myself and I can't wait to get my hands on them. And so we got the Midas Touch Network. We've got this faded look right here, which I absolutely... Absolutely love in a sweatshirt 
shirt or a hoodie, as some people call it, and a T-shirt. We got the Midas Touch tote bag, which you know I'm going to be bringing with me to the Farmer's Market, Jordy. You know that's coming with me to the Farmer's Market out here. And we got the Convict or Convict 45 now in the long sleeve and the new Midas Touch logo shirts, Midas Touch Network in a sweater and V-necks and T-shirts. Now available at store.midastouch.com. Go check it out today. We've got a great after show for everybody that we're cooking up right now at patreon.com slash Midas Touch, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Midas Touch. I'd love for you to be a member of our Patreon. We've got great exclusive content there. And once a month, we do our monthly Zoom meeting. The last one was a ton of fun. And we then save those and put those there for in case you weren't able to uh, attend. And we try to answer as many questions as we can for those. So we'd love to see you and meet you on those monthly Zoom chats that we have. Again, November 7th, Election Day. Please, please, please make sure you vote. Make sure you tell others about it. And from the bottom of all of our hearts, thank you so much to all of the members of the Midas mighty all of those who watch this show the community that you all created one built on love and compassion and intelligence and facts and evidence and being unapologetically pro-democracy is something that i am so honored to be a part of with all of you i wake up every morning just thrilled and excited to be making videos with you and to be working hard with you. And we know all the hard work that you're putting in wherever you are across this country and the world watching this right now. You are the hero and we are grateful for you. Thank you from the bottom of all of our hearts and from the hearts of all of our contributors. Jordy, take it away. Shout out to the Midas Mighty! At Midas Touch, we are unapologetically pro-democracy and we demand justice and accountability. That's why we're spreading our message to Convict 45. That's right, gear up right now with your Convict 45 tees and pins at store.midastouch.com. That's store.midastouch.com.